0: Welcome to a Christmas edition of the Championship Roundtable podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Championship Pod, And you can follow my personal Twitter at underscore James Vickers, where I mainly tweet about Preston and Borussia Dortmund.
1: Hi, I'm Russ Goldman. I am the host of Cottage Talk, a podcast all about foam football club. You can follow me on Twitter at Russ underscore Goldman. And also at the Twitter account for the show Cottage Talk.
2: Hello, uh, my name is Louis Shackshaft. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's just my name at Louis Shackshaft. I do a lot of writing, blogging, um, all about Sheffield Wednesday. I'm pretty big on Sheffield Wednesday statistics also. Uh, you can visit my website, which is louisshackshaft.com. Uh, and
0: I'm pleased to be here for the Christmas special. <laughs> Yeah, cheers for joining me today, guys. I'm uh, currently sat in my Christmas jumper, which I've realised is got a lot more itchier than last year. So I'll um, it needs a wash. That's all it is, James. It needs a (laughs) wash. I I realise that's
2: what's happened with mine. I I think it just, uh, you know, I need a bit of. Uh, aerial liquid on there, then it should be all right.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's been hung up in the wardrobe for a year, so it, it probably does. I've pulled it out for the first time today, so I think straight after this, I'm going to get it in the wash and then it's uh, it's ready for the weekend then. Um, the the first thing I wanted to talk about today, obviously, um, since the show last week, the sort of long-running saga of Willy Wonty, Chien uh, Lee taking over at Barnsley has, has finally gone through. Um, I just wanted to get... Both of your opinions on this. Um, obviously, Barnsley fans, you know, I'm not going to make the pun of their Christmas has come early. Um, but obviously, quite a lot of excitement around it. But as we've seen in the past with teams like Birmingham, uh, as a good example, with them being bottom of the table at the moment, you know, it's, it's not always sort of automatic promotion when a, sort of a billionaire owner comes in. Um, what are your guys' opinions on it? And uh, how do you see it going specifically for Barnsley?
1: Okay, well, I'll start and I'll say that I actually watched the uh, presser just a short while ago. And uh, it was interesting because uh, in the presser, uh, someone was talking, I I don't remember the name of the gentleman, but he was just talking about their ownership of Nice and comparing to what they've done at Nice, that they plan on doing something similar with Barnsley. Uh, And they talked about January that... That they're going to do something in January, but they're going to be basically fiscally responsible. They kept talking about financially that they're not going to go crazy, that they're going to be responsible, but they're going to do things with, with the club to basically get as much money into the club. I, it sounds like to me with marketing and, and, uh, and endorsements and all kinds of different things to bring more money into Barnsley. So, they're talking a good game. Uh, that's what I got from it. You know, again, they were using Nice as the model that they want to use for Barnsley. My only thought on that is that you're talking about different types of leagues, different types of cities. I don't know if it's if you can just look at Nice and say we can do that at Barnsley, but we'll see. Uh, and uh, for their sake, I hope it works. Uh, and I think. Their first plan of attack is, is to stay in the league and then work from that point on that 's just my thought so it it's all good right now it, it's It's a stabilizing situation, James and Louis, but they need now now that this is done, concentrate on staying in the league
2: I agree yeah I think first and foremost it's uh, it's staying in this division they they obviously can't avoid you know they need to avoid the drop this year um And I think the uh, takeovers come at the right time. Obviously, if that's all in place now, they've got six months and then the summer to maintain stability, hopefully in this league for Barnsley. I know they're four points off the relegation zone at the minute, but I think they've got enough in them to stay in this division. Um, And and I'm really, really intrigued. I know everyone needs a, a billionaire owner to come in and take over their club, but... As Russ has touched on there, they've they've come in and they've basically said that what what they're planning on doing is investing loads of money in the youth system, yep. and 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 that's what ultimately their their aim is to do and and see how that progresses from there. And another good thing what's come out of it is they've said that they're looking to also give Heckingbottom another contract. And I think if they stick you know s- s- stick to the word and they do give Heckingbottom another contract, it's 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 rightly so. It's it's deserved because I think he's worked wonders at the club. And you know, you, even though where they are in the league at the minute, you could say that Barnsley are still overachieving. That they probably, you know, are a, a League One club on paper. Dare I say it? But you know, I think it's a great time to take them over. And, and like you've touched upon there, that the main thing they need to do now is just simply avoid the drop. And then from next season push on from there, you know, whether that means finishing halfway the season after but if they're investing in in the youth system, I'm really, really intrigued to see what happens from there.
0: Yeah, definitely. I completely echo sort of the points that you two have made and I've just been, obviously we touched on that they need to first and foremost get clear of the relegation zone and then they can start to, you know, think about sort of where the money's going to go and, and things like that and looking back just sort of to see when when they last sort of won a game, really, their last two wins came against Burton and Birmingham, which you know, if they're beating teams around them in and amongst the relegation places, you know that bodes well for them. That you know, obviously they can get out of sort of the the tough spot that they're in at the moment. I, obviously, you never want to go down, but I do think that. You know, priority for them is to stay in the division. And I, uh, while it wouldn't be a complete disaster to go down to League One, because obviously now they've got the money behind them, it's certainly going to be a bit sort of disappointing for the owner who's come in. So I think January especially is you know crucial for them. I think how they recruit over January, if they do, you know, stop in the slide and sticking with the manager and and really sort of not trying to change everything overnight it's going to be a slow process for them and you know teams like Birmingham for example you know they've had owners come in in the past who've tried to change it overnight and get that immediate success and you know they find themselves bottom of the table at the moment so I think as as you mentioned Russ if, he, if he's careful with his money which he seemed to sort of talk a good game in the press conference I think they can slowly build and then It'll be interesting over the next sort of two, three, four seasons to, you know, keep an eye on it and see how they do sort of develop and and what kind of team he turns them into. Um, But sort of the next thing I wanted to touch on, um, obviously there's games coming thick and fast over Christmas and and you yourself, Lou, have uh, already previewed Sheffield Wednesday's game for, for the weekend coming up. Um, I thought we'd sort of be a bit more relaxed today um, and sort of talk about you know moments of the season so far and Sort of how our seasons have gone as a whole. Um, I wanted to start sort of the first sort of bullet point I've got here on my notes. Is, so, our team's moment of the season so far, uh, so that'll be Preston, Sheffield, Wednesday, and Fulham, and also our team's individual player of the year so far. And, you know, if you've got any other sort of moments or players that deserve a mention, you know, feel free to, to chip in with them.
1: For me, the, um, the moment of the season would probably be the match of the season. Against uh, Ipswich Town and what's interesting about that is that uh, it really mirrored the last time we played Ipswich Town uh, at Portman Road. We dominated that match and that made us all feel as foam supporters that we were on the right track. But again, this is going back to the beginning of the season and that was the moment that we thought everything was going to kick on from there and it obviously has not. So that's why I'm I'm mentioning that as the moment of the season, along with that crazy Sheffield United victory that Fulham had, where you saw Ryan Session just go crazy, and uh, that's you know th- th- that's a great moment as well. Player of the season's interesting because uh, I don't know if there has been a standout player. I was really thinking about this because is there one player that has stood out and the only thing that I can player that I really want to touch on is someone that I mentioned as the player of the season last season for me, and that was Kevin McDonald. Because without someone like Kevin McDonald uh, being that defensive midfielder, shading that back four, uh, Fulham are in serious trouble, especially the way that Fulham Fulmer play so aggressively. So unfortunately, there's no one up front that I really want to highlight. If, if I'm going. To give a player of the season so far, it would probably have to be Kevin McDonald. The, the the other choice I was thinking about would be David Button. But the interesting thing about Button is that he's been replaced recently by Marcus Bettinelli. So I thought, well, I really can't go there. So the easy answer, guys, is that there really hasn't been a standout player. So I'm going with someone that has been consistent, and that would be Kevin McDonald.
2: For me, it's um – it's a similar story to Russ, to be honest. Obviously, our league form has been very, very poor. we sat 15th in the league. Um, if I'm to pick a moment of the season, uh, you know, there's only really three wins this season that stand out for me. And that's home to Leeds when we won 3-0. And that was a convincing win. We beat your team, obviously, Russ, 1-0 yeah. away at Fulham, which was a great victory at the time. But the moment of the season for me, I'm going to pick the screamer uh, by Adam Reach's goal against Aston Villa, which won um, the goal of the month. And for me, that was the best away victory this season because we pretty much, for about 45, 50, 60 minutes, dominated that game. And it scored after 12, 13 seconds, and then that set us on our way to, obviously, that victory away at Villa. And I think most of the Wednesday fans at the time um probably didn't predict a Wednesday win away at Villa because that was when obviously Villa were flying and, and they're currently fifth in the league. So that for me is probably the moment of the season. Um, it's disappointing really that that is the only particular moment that stands out for me. Um, there's, there's not many more, if I'm honest. But if we're talking about player of the season, again, it's it's difficult because we are underperforming and underachieving at the moment. Um Two players for me in the Sheffield Wednesday squad can you know, hold their head up high and, and, and that would be Gary Hooper and Barry Bannon for me. Uh, they're the only two really. Everyone else I'd say has been very, very average um, and pretty much disappointing. Hooper is, I mean, you you all know I talk about him a lot because I'm a huge fan of Hooper. He's the type of player, you know, give him two opportunities in a game and he'll score, score one goal. He's, he's that type of player and He's got ten league goals, I believe, this season. A couple of assists and three man of the match awards. Um, and Bannon, he's he's found, you know, the, the form again that you know everyone's talked about in the past. You know, he's been linked with other clubs or was in the summer. Um, and Bannon's, it can, you know, it, it can it, it can turn defense into attack. He's he's got a great passing range. Um, he's only got a couple of assists this season, but that doesn't, you know. Prove how well he has played this season because at times he has been instrumental and and, and without Bannon and Hooper this season, I'm, I'm being serious. I think we we will be touching the relegation zone um, because yeah, other, other than those two, we like I mentioned, we have been very very average this season. So they're the two for me that stand out um, and moment of and, and moment of the season is, is is Reacher's goal. Um, but as you, you, I think you touched upon it there, Russ. Um, I know we, we were looking at discussing game of the season, and and for me, yep. <laughs> the one what stands out is obviously Fulham's victory away at Sheffield United. <laughs> yeah, that that five four wow. win, which That's I, I know you touched upon, and and th- there was another game what I really enjoyed watching only a few weeks ago, and I don't know if you remember, but you remember. Hull City were two 0 up against Bristol City, and Bristol City came back to win three two. Yeah, but I believe Flint Reed and Brownhill scored uh, the goals in the last thirty minutes. So that's another game of the season that stands out for me. Uh, but yeah, the the, the two hat tricks, Yon and Leon Clark for Sheffield United in that five four victory crazy. for Fulham was just it. It just stands out. I mean, how often do you get two players scoring a hat trick in one game? For, for Different clubs as well. That that was unbelievable. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's funny because what also stands out. I, I remember obviously Leon, Leon Clark scoring those four goals in thirty-five minutes against Hull as well, which was a four-one victory on the day for Sheffield United. And and you know you probably know that I don't like talking about Sheffield United <laughs> too much, but. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there are the, a couple of moments what stand out for me. Obviously, the Fulham victory and, and Clark scoring those four goals yep. was, you know, um, unbelievable. So uh, they're all my moments and games of the season so far.
1: Okay, can, yeah. Can I just mentioned one other one yeah, go- game of the season, uh, James, and, and it's it's going to be a, I guess you could say, maybe a strange one to most people, but I'm going to touch on it because I think it shows how tough this league is. And uh, it just recently happened, and it was Wolves and uh, and Sunderland playing to a nil-nil draw. Now, you're probably going to say, why would that be a game of the season? It's a game of the season because you're talking about the team that's at the, at the top of the league and the team that's near the bottom, and the team near the bottom playing with 10 men at one point We're finds a way to get a point.
2: Wolves, aren't we? Sorry, Ross. I think you mentioned yes. Leeds there. It was Wolves Oh, I'm sorry. I,
1: I, thought, <laughs> I thought I said Wolves.
2: It might be me that's being wrong. I'm not. I'm not sure. Jay, Jay, we'll, we'll leave this debate down to James. Yeah, I'll okay. have
0: to answer it afterwards. Yeah, when I listen back. <laughs> I'll sit on the fence for now and uh, and let you two sort of uh, sort of argue it out. Yeah.
1: No, my point on on the um, Wolves uh, Sunderland match was just that it just shows how even the league is. That that even someone as dominant like Wolves can struggle against a team like Sunderland who is just trying to find a way to get their identity, stay in the league at this point, and build from that point on. And for there to be no goals and to play with 10 men, I, I wanted to give Sunderland a little props there. And uh, that's why I wanted just to mention it. It's not a not a sexy game for, for match of the year, but I think it just <laughs> showed how difficult the league is.
0: Yeah, so been a weird one sort of listening to you two speak. I think on the the first show we did at the start of the season where we we touched on um, obviously who's favourites for promotion and relegation. Your two teams are the two teams that I tipped to be one and two in the the division. So it, it sort of it's proof that you know football's not sort of one on paper and it's it's been quite a weird one for us this season um in respects to the league obviously we had that horrendous november which saw us fall out of the playoffs and i think at one point we had 10 first team players out injured i think eight of them were defenders which you know you can talk about squad depth all you like but if you sort of any team in the world even a, a man city or you know a madrid or a barcelona you take eight defenders out of their team and you know, the crucial for us, and you know we've we've started to kick on again. And in in the the good run that we were in before all the injuries happened, I think my personal moment of the season, well, firstly because I was at the game, and it's it's probably a perfect example of how poor we can be, but also how brilliant we can be, is the the game at Birmingham City earlier this season, um, first half. Worst half of the season, without a doubt, you know, offered absolutely nothing. And we go in 1-0 down at the break. And whatever Alex Neil said to the players, you know, um, uh, sort of over the course of the 15-minute half time interval, uh, you know, worked wonders. And we came out in the second half. And I think, and it might just be me being biased, but I genuinely think if we'd have played anyone in the division, home or away, and played like we did for the, the 20 minutes after halftime that we would have blown any team away um, sort of thinking back and we were talking about it after on the train home I sort of struggled to think of a sort of a 20 minutes from a Preston standpoint that's been as good as that um, the only one we could think of was when we played Arsenal in the FA Cup last season where we should have, uh, you know, again, me being biased, should have easily been 3 or 4 nil up at half-time. And, you know, ultimately we ended up losing the game 2-1 to two second-half goals. But I think personal moment of the season, definitely Birmingham away. Um, you know, took a load of fans down, great atmosphere. And it was almost a perfect away day, uh, sort of in that respect. Um, you know, other good moments this season... We've uh, we've had some great wins at home against you know we've beat, obviously bringing up Louie we beat you at home on the opening day that was great for us uh, sort of set the tone for the season um, yeah we've we've not recovered James simply yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 I'm being serious we literally haven't I don't think we recovered from then we, we've we were average that day and we have been ever since so.
0: plushcare.com slash weight loss yeah it's uh you know i i always say on this podcast that i feel more confident going into away games but recently you know we beat um sheffield united at home and other teams in the top half and we're really starting to turn deepdale into a fortress again now which you know if if you win all your home games and pick up points on the road which we are doing you know you are going to be there or thereabouts and we're not too far outside the playoffs at the moment. Um, we've got a game at home, which I'll touch on later, against Nottingham Forest at the weekend, which, you know, when that game, results go your way. And I think we're a point outside the relegation zone going into Christmas where, you know, the game's come thick and fast. So uh, I'd like to say the table sort of now as it is the day we're recording this, um, if you look at it now and then look at it on, say, the 3rd of January on the FA Cup weekend, it'll be completely different, Um you know, Wolves will probably still be at the top, but I think the top sort of eight teams chasing will, will you know, switch around quite a bit over the course of the next few weeks. So, um, you know, win our away games and win our home games or, you know, pick up sort of draws, will will be there or thereabouts. But touching on player of the season, personally, for me, and it's funny that the interviews come out today, Um I'm going to say Ben Pearson for us. Um, and I know I've spoke to you two in the past. I think Russ especially has uh, sort of noted that we're quite a sort of a pressing team. And I've always said that, you know, we're a pressing team, but we have this stigma that we're, you know, a really sort of physical and, and dirty side. And I've always stuck up for Ben Pearson. And, uh, you know, the, the club He's a really... a very
1: good player, James. He's a very good player.
0: Yeah, absolutely love him. And, uh, the will I'll I'll have to find the quote. Um the club released um an interview with him today where he's come out and basically said that um rather than scoring a goal, the thing that he enjoys the most on a football pitch is a sort of a half fifty-fifty tackle. Um and that they were talking about a game at home last week and um And he said, "It's nice to be able to smash into someone fairly and not get booked." Which, you know, (laughs) coming from your your sort of defensive midfielder um, who's sort of there to break up the play, it's um, you know, it's great to see. And those comments have gone down, as you can expect, really well with our fans, and not so well with other (laughs) teams' fans. Um, And I've likened him in the past to you know, like a Gary Neville or a Jamie Carragher if he plays for your team you absolutely love him if he plays for someone you need, else you absolutely hate him you need players
1: like that James you, you need what yeah, you know definitely. I I'm talking about Ken McDonald you need players like that
0: yeah and i think and sort of i've had sort of people mention it that You know, people listen to this podcast to uh, find out about players that they're linked with. So I'm going to have to stop bigging Ben Pearson up as much as I do because I think (laughs) the games where he's been suspended this season, you know, the difference is massive. Um, He's there to break up the play, he gets us you know, he makes us tick in midfield. He he sort of does two or three midfielders jobs all by himself. Um and I do think he's probably our most irreplaceable player at the moment. Um, you know, we've had other players that have done brilliantly so far, like Hugh Gill, obviously, Ben Davies at the back has been fantastic. Um and then Josh Earl and Sean Maguire who unfortunately at the moment are both injured with sort of longish term injuries. Um but, yeah, it's it's been sort of unusually positive for me this season. I thought when we started the season, it'd be, you know, how we finished the last two seasons, 11, bang average season, with the odd highlight here and there. But, you know, fair play to Alex Neal has come in, taken sort of all of us by surprise. And, you know, it's it's been quite an exciting season so far. So, you know, long may it continue over Christmas and into the new year. Um, but, obviously, I touched on it there and... The next thing I wanted to ask you was, um, and we were chatting about this off air, dark horses for promotion and relegation. Obviously, I'd love it to be Preston, um, and I don't think either of your teams will, will go down. I think you'll be more towards the promotion pick to come the end of the season and after sort of the January transfer window. But each year, you, if you've got sort of a team that not many people would expect to either go up or go down, or if you've got one for both, you know, feel free to sort of chip in.
1: Okay, I'll start, and I'll say my dark horse for promotion, and this might surprise some, It's going to be Bristol City. I, I didn't see this coming. And uh, when Fulham played Bristol City, I, I I saw a team that on paper is not as talented as Fulham but are playing for the manager, playing as a, as a true team. Everyone knows their roles. They are tough to beat. So that is the team that I think is the dark horse to win promotion Bristol city, look out for that team because they actually have a lot going for them. And, uh, Lee Johnson's doing a very good job on the other side. If I had to say a dark horse for, uh, for relegation, I'm going to throw this out there. I'm going to say Hull city. I'm going to say, you know, and again, I could be wrong on this, um, because they could be turning it around at this point. I, I don't think it's going to be Sunderland. I think it could be Hull city. I'm just going to throw it out there that, um, I think they're doing with that, uh, That hangover from coming down from the Premier League and that adjustment is difficult. And I think this time around, they're struggling. They are the dark horse team that no one is really talking about that could be in danger.
2: For me, I'll start at the top. Um, I've got a few dark horses, if I'm honest. So I think for automatic promotion, the the biggest dark horse is I'm going to just stick with Cardiff. And I know that they're second. Um, and I love Bristol City. I love to see them go up. But I think, you know, sometimes, as we know, that the League Cup can be disruptive and just be Man United. And then obviously they're going to take on Man City, etc., etc. et cetera. So I'm, I'm going to stick with Cardiff and I believe they'll go up automatically. Um, but if i'm picking a dark dark horse who aren't even in the top six at the minute, i am again i'm I think that your team can do it james and I'm not again just saying that because it's you. <laughs> I really think that they could be literally after forty six laps there's twenty two gone at the minute. I think they could just sneak into that sixth position and potentially once you, as Me and Russ both know, once you hit that run of form after 40 games and you you win four or five on the bounce with six remaining, it's the the form team that tends to go up generally. Um, But I'm going to contradict myself a little and say that the team that I think will go up from the playoffs this season is Derby County. I think they're slowly, slowly progressing, getting stronger, starting to play free-flowing, attacking football. I mentioned this on a previous pod, and I think that Derby County are the, the team to watch out for. They could even get close to the top two. I don't think they'll quite do it, but I think Derby County, for me, will be the team that um, go get up through the playoffs this season. Um, down at the bottom, I'm going to give a slightly different opinion to what Russ has said, and I think the that there isn't any dark horses for relegation. If I'm honest, I think the three what are at the bottom three now will stay there. So that's Burton Albion, Bolton, and Birmingham. I really think I've got a different opinion to Rust. That I think yeah. Hull City and Sunderland will continue to climb. Now I really think that they've made a change at the right time. Obviously with Adkins and Coleman, we've seen obviously a Sunderland have, have come into a bit form. Uh, they've drawn one and won one. Um, Hull are still win-one-lose-one type um, but I think they'll slowly, slowly climb the table I think Barnsley will just pretty much stay where they are as will QPR, Millwall, etc so yeah, I, I'm just going to say that the three what are at the bottom now I think I don't see any of them improving and, and I just think all those three will go down or all the teams beginning with B <laughs>
0: I tell you what, sort of listening to you both talk about Preston, it, it, it's a bit surreal. But I, um, I think definitely if, uh, if Preston went up this season, couple that with a um, a World Cup summer as well, I do think that I would need someone else to uh, host a podcast probably for about the first month for next season <laughs> while I uh, I got rid of the hangover. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously we, are and it does make me laugh on Twitter when we beat you know teams like we obviously we beat. Um, Sheffield, uh, Sheffield United. Sorry, um, last weekend. And granted, they've only come up from League One last season. And it's been the same when we've beaten other sort of so-called big teams in the division this season. That you get all their fans on Twitter saying, you know, Preston North End, we should be beating teams like that. And I think slowly we're starting to to earn that right, not as a big team, but a team that people should take seriously. And I think over the last couple of seasons where we've Mounted not a serious playoff charge, but we've been there or thereabouts, and at the end of the season, we've slowly faded off again. Um, you know, people have overlooked us, so I think this season definitely we're going a long way to you know sort of breaking that sort of image or perception that people have about us as a mid table team that's punching above their weight. You know, we've got a great young squad, and you know, there's always one team that sort of comes not necessarily out of nowhere, but sort of from about eighth or ninth and puts a run together, like you said, Louis. So, you know, why why couldn't it be us this season? Um I think looking at the table, and I'll probably be completely wrong with this, as I said, I had your two teams to be top two at this stage and and to continue that throughout the season. Um looking at the table, um it'll be interesting to see how they carry on. Um Ipswich, you know, they're only two points outside the um, the playoff place at the moment and, you know, who would have thought that at the start of the season? Um, Benjamin, who we get on sometimes, and I was chatting to him the other week on Twitter, he's always going on about how they're, you know, the most boring team in the league. Um, they'd finish mid-table, kind of how we were the last few seasons and I expected it to be for us this season, but fair play to them, you know. they've um, They've only drawn two games and we say most weeks it's better to to win and then lose one as opposed to, you know, draw two on the bounce. And even though you're unbeaten, you're not picking up the same amount of points. And, you know, they've gone about that work kind of how we were, um, sort of unnoticed. You know, they're only a point behind Leeds, two points behind Sheffield United and Villa. And if they can sustain that, and then, as you said, Louis, put a run together the last sort of four or five games, you know, they could find themselves sort of creeping into the playoffs. Um, I think the other sort of not necessarily dark horse now because I think everyone's seeing that they have got a very good team um, to get promotion is Bristol City. Um, And, you know, it's easy to say that because they beat Man United last night and they're in the cup semi-final. But I think they'll be sort of there and thereabouts in the playoff. Um, As you mentioned, Louis, it'll be interesting to see how the, the distraction of the League Cup is. Yeah, I'm um, going take their uh, eyes sort of off. I, the
2: I ball. was just going to say, uh, I think Bristol City are probably the best team to watch as well in the league. If I'm honest, when I've watched Bristol City, I, they just simply go out, fear nobody, and you know, they're just continuing to win games and they play some really, really good attacking football. And they've only lost three games, I believe, all season. So yeah. you know, I
0: take my hat off to Bristol City. Yeah, they're doing really, really well. Yeah, definitely, and I think at the start of the season, not many people would have fancied them to be, you know, where they are um, at the moment. Same with Derby. Derby, you know, they're a sort of quite a big team in the league. You know, they've had history in the Premiership before, and they always seem to be there or thereabouts. But every time I look at the table, it kind of surprises me how high up they are because we've been talking about the likes of Wolves, Cardiff, Sheffield United, and Derby. Even though they're fourth at the moment and only two points off third, have gone largely unnoticed really um so the only time sort of i really hear about them and it may be completely different for, for you two is um when um we're talking about them on the podcast from time to time you know you never see them really mentioned in the media as sort of a team that's gonna go up and they've been there or thereabouts the last few seasons and just narrowly missed out so i think they could be one to, to keep an eye on, especially over sort of the next few months, to see how they come out at Christmas and and the end of January. Um, but moving on to the the bottom, I think similar to you, Louis, I I think personally the bottom three, as they are at the moment, will be the bottom three come the end of the season, sort of barring any massive collapses from you know any of the teams that are starting to pull away a little bit now. Um, there's sort of a bit of a gap opening up between sort of the teams in 18th up and then sort of the five teams at the bottom. Um, I think if you'd have asked at the start of the season, I would have said that, you know, a surprise to go down would have been Birmingham. I don't think many people thought that they would be as bad as they have been. Um, so in that respect, you could say that they were sort of like an unfancied pick to go down. I think we all sort of agreed at the start of the season that Bolton and Burton would be down there. Um Burton did fantastically well last year to stay up. But, I, you know, they just don't have the resources or the the depth for squad to, you know, sustain sort of in the championship unless they, you know, do manage to sell a few players for sort of quite a high amount or they get taken over. Um, you know, don't, don't take anything away from them. Did absolutely fantastic last season, but it's sort of that old cliche second season syndrome, you know, and they found themselves in the relegation zone. Bolton, you know, coming up last season, they're always going to be sort of there or thereabouts. I think Birmingham are, even though they've been poor, sort of the surprise package really that are, that are in the bottom. Um, but I do think that, you know, as I said, barring any collapses or one of those teams putting a, you know, a, a fantastic run together. I think that will be the bottom three come the end of the season. Um I just wanted to sort of touch as well I haven't got this down on our running order that we were sort of going through but as, as we've been going and we've kind of all touched on it a little bit obviously I've talked about how Preston need to sustain how we have been this sort of started the season um, and you two have sort of talked about how you need to sort of put a run together and, and move up the table. Um obviously January transfer window opens in, you know, just over a week or so now. Is there a particular sort of area that you need to sort of highlight in the transfer window to to improve your yes. fortunes? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Or is it or is it a combination of needing players in but also the players that you've got at the moment not performing?
1: Position for me. Position, 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 and they are Striker, left-back, and center-back. Those are the three positions of need. Uh, left-back, like you guys, we were all talking about this off-air that uh, I believe the Fulham need a left-back so they could move Ryan Cessnion to midfield. And uh, and I think that's what they're looking for. I truly believe that. But they desperately, and I mean desperately, need someone that could put the ball in the back of the net on a consistent basis uh, they have two players that are trying hard in Rui Font and Abubakar Kamara. But in this division, you need consistency. You need someone that you can count on. They don't have that right now. So that's what they're missing. And and uh, I do think in certain matches, they need uh, a taller, physical center back, which they really don't have. So that's why, for me, for Fulham, it's those three positions.
2: Uh, for me, it's every player on the field at the minute, is it, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, if if I'm serious, um, I just, we've got, we've got about four centre backs. I really just wish though we could go out and buy, and I keep mentioning it, but I really want a big solid defender in at the club who just kicks the ball into touch at that moment where other defenders make a mistake, if that makes sense. I keep talking about him, but I would love a player like Aidan Flint at Sheffield Wednesday. Just someone who's solid, you know, is confident. And like I say, at those key moments, he will just, even if it means taking a yellow card for the team, it'll just stop an attack at any given moment. And, and that's the type of defender I'd like at the club. Whether we bring a defender in, I'm not sure. Where I think it's more essential at the minute is we need somebody with pace on the right wing. I mean, we've got everyone's probably forgot about George Boyd. We actually signed George Boyd in the summer. Um, he's only played a handful of games this season, but he's he 's been out, and I expect him to be back in january, but even George judge boy has not got loads of pace and and what and ross Wallace has you know he's is not performing to the best of his ability this season as he has done in the last few years, so it wouldn 't surprise me if we if we look at the wings, but if we do, I think it'll be bringing somebody in on loan, just one player um, but the other one, like you 've talked about other than players. When it gets to January, will we we swap managers? I don't know. I can't see it happening simply because I don't think the chairman's going to sack Carvajal because obviously his his contract's up in the summer anyway. Uh, I mentioned it on the podcast last week, but the only way that I see him going is if Carvajal resigns. But I've stuck to my word and I'm saying that I still think Sheffield Wednesday need a change in management now. Uh, I think now would be a great time. But I just simply don't
0: see it happening. Yeah, I think for sort of Preston in the transfer window, I think um sort of in terms of personnel on the field at the moment, we're absolutely fine. Um but as I've said all season, I think we're one or two players short. Um we've already signed Louis Malt from Motherwell on a, a pre contract who's a striker. Um sort of similar to Hoogil, um, but has a bit more of that ability to run in behind. So Hopefully we see them play together and we manage to keep Hugill in January. Um, I think that's sort of the big must for us. I know you'd love him at Fulham, um, Russ, but you know, <laughs> personally, I hope, I hope we keep him and I can see yeah. sort of Malt and Hugh Gill playing up top together. Um, so I do think we need another forward. Obviously, Maguire's out injured till about March and, and Robinson and Harrop are all sort of wingers, attacking midfielders so we are quite light as sort of backup for Hugh Gill we've got Doyle out on loan at Oldham who looks sort of like he's going to be sold we sold Stevie May in the, the transfer window in the summer and never replaced him so hopefully we can get Malt in and play him with Hugh Gill as opposed to be a replacement for Hugh Gill um, I think the club have not directly come out and said but it's been reported that they want another three players in sort of as well as Malt. Um, I think definitely another centre-back is probably priority. Um, We've had trouble there all season, and Clark and Huntington, who are sort of our first choice, you know, you could throw Ben Davis in there as well, because he's been, you know, fantastic this season. Um, Sort of after those three, you've got Andy Boyle, who's only played sort of two or three games for us, Looks like he could do with a loan out to maybe a League One club um, to get a bit of experience. He's still a young lad. And then after that's Tom Spur, who, you know, is more of like a utility defender. He's a, a left back who can also play centre back and right back. So I think another sort of centre back, same as you said um Louis, who can, you know, just get the ball, no nonsense, get rid of it. Similar to Huntington, really. Um, sort of a, a direct replacement for him. If, you know, he gets injured, it'd, it'd be high on my shopping list. Um, and then the only other position, really, that I, I think we need strengthening is sort of a box-to-box midfielder. Um, we've got Alan Brown who can do that. But you know injuries are a thing, and if he gets injured, we don't have another player who can do that. Um, we've got Paul Gallagher and John Welsh who can both come in and do a job. You know they're both getting on at the moment, or at the moment they are getting on. Um, both been absolutely fantastic servants for the club. But you know if if you want to progress in the championship, and we've talked about promotion, you need sort of to not really hold on to sort of sentiment. You know, they've been fantastic. And while they still have a place in at the club, I do think that, you know, they could do with another player in there to provide different options. So they'd be the two that I'd sort of look to get in. Um, as far as outgoings, there's not really anyone. We don't have a, a massive squad. Maybe, as I mentioned, Boyle at the back could do with a loan. And O'Connor, who's a left back that we've got, could both do with loans out. Um, but, you know, apart from that, a couple of players in and I'll be more than happy if we can keep hold of Hugh Gill Um, even though it would be nice to get about sort of 10 million for him uh, you know it's whether it be invested back into the club or not um, especially sort of to the playing staff so it'll be interesting to see how it goes over the transfer window but you know we're not a million miles off one or two additions all sort of definitely help and as far as sort of Aspirations go and wanting to get into the top six, I think keeping all Hugh Gill is is sort of priority number one. So, we'll be interesting to see how it goes. And I'm sure if he's still with us come sort of deadline day, I'll be sitting there watching it quite nervously, um, as I was sort of in the summer. So, it'll be uh, certainly an interesting month, and no doubt I'll sort of each week on the podcast have something to say about it. Um, but before we uh, sort of wrap it up and get into sort of little predictions for the sort of the festive period, you brought this up earlier, Russ, um about away support in the league and and how it's viewed. Yeah. Um, obviously you were the one who brought it up, so I wanted to start with sure. you first. I saw, I think it was either today or last night on Twitter, you were tweeting about how Fulham are away again over Christmas. Um, yes, and they're kind of seen as the afterthought to Chelsea, really. Um, yeah,
1: and yeah. exactly. Exactly, and that was part of what I want to talk about, uh, the away support. This is uh, Fulham's fifth season of uh, being away on on Boxing Day, which I just think is wrong. It's it's wrong, Uh, and it really, if I'm being honest, I truly believe it comes down to the priority being Chelsea. I understand that to a point, but when it's five years in a row, there's something wrong here. There's something just not right, Uh, That the fact that all these supporters who – love the club, and love Boxing Day have to travel five years in a row. It's just wrong. And on top of it, after that, the following Saturday, Fulham are, are heading up to Hull City. So think about that. They're going to Cardiff City, and then they're going uh, a few days later to Hull City. I mean, th- again, the league needs to think out these, uh, uh, these fixtures a little bit better uh, because that is just way too much of a distance between those two fixtures for Fulham and their supporters to go back and forth like that. But the reason why I wanted to bring up this topic of away support is it's something that I see a good amount on Twitter, guys, and I want your thoughts on this, is that uh, I think some supporters of other teams view away support as a gauge of how much your team actually supports itself. And it's one factor – and uh Fulham's away support has gotten much better and i think part of it is is that now we're in the championship when it was in when uh, Fulham were in the premier league the uh the uh, away form was so bad for so many years i think it definitely affected how many fans would, would go away but the thing that gets me guys and this is what my whole crux of wanting to talk about this is that I think away support is one factor in supporting a team. Another factor is fans like myself, fans that, that go to, you know, that, that have season tickets. They're all different factors of, of support of a football club. It's not just away, but it seems like there's so much emphasis put on away support. And I understand it to a point. There are some teams like, like both of yours that have tremendous away support and you should be, you know, and again, you, you should get, Get definite kudos for that, but my club is again, of course, of a long period of time. There are many reasons why the support is not at the level of both of your clubs away, but it doesn't mean that Fulham does not have uh, a a very rabid supporter base because they do. It's just it's a global one, and it's not just about going to the away matches. That's kind of where I was going, James, talking about away support. I think it's important, but it's just one part of supporting a team.
2: Well, I'll I'll go next. I I've, I firstly, uh, Russ, I didn't realise that uh, this will be the
1: fifth season in a
2: row where full of Fulham have travelled away on, on Boxing Day. Um, so I understand your frustrations in that sense. Um, having said that, an away day. You, you, For me, that the the best days, Um, and and I don't just necessarily mean on Boxing Day, because I I feel your pain. But an away day for me, you know, it's all about the jubilation when you do come away with a victory. You make a day of it. You probably drink more than you should do. Um, It's very high rate. And when you do take those three points, as James knows, because I know he go he goes home and away to most of Preston's games, that there's there's no better feeling coming away from an away day when you've took all three points, especially if you was predicted to only come away with a loss or or a draw. Um, Having said that, touching on your point, Russ, um, regarding away following, I mean, I'm lucky lucky enough to support a club where Sheffield Wednesday have always had fantastic support away from home. You know, tickets generally, when when they travel away, run, run out pretty quickly, um, but the other topic we could talk about and i I believe this is the main problem is that away supporters are just rinsed of cash um, i know they 're trying to you know they did it i believe in the premier league didn 't they where they put a cap on the pricing and and sheffield wednesday um, and, and teams like that are i know that we 're rinsing Fans coming to Hillsborough, thirty-five, forty pound, forty-five pound a game, and for me, this day and age, it's it's atrocious. That those kind of prices should be Premier League prices, and and we're we're a Championship club. And yes, I obviously I know our chairman wants to get some return of investment, and he he, he can effectively charge whatever prices he wants, whatever he wants. But when you've got lower with no disrespect to these clubs, but when you've got teams like Burton and Barnsley coming to Sheffield Wednesday, why, why should they be paying £40 a ticket to come and sit at Hillsborough? And then they've also got, obviously, travel included in that, whether it's train yeah. or fuel, and then, and then food, obviously, as well. So every away day, for me, when I think of an away day and I go to away games, straight up, straight away in my head, I think that's 100 £100. Straight away, you know, without question, obviously a ticket and travel straight away, and and for me that is the ultimate problem. Um, I think that there should be a cap in the championship, and I think if you saw that cap around the twenty-five to thirty-pound mark, I think that every away, you know, end in every stadium in the championship would be pretty much full. And like you say, it's wrong because straight away when I go to Hillsborough when I'm sat in the North Stand, I do look to the right and I look how many fans have travelled from, you know, X, Y, Z in the country. And and you do look at it as a gauge. But the problem is those fans support their club as much as anybody else. The ones what, you know, generally travel away to away games up and down the country, whether it's a one-hour drive or a five-hour drive, you know, they've got their right to be there, but I just don't think they should be paying the prices that they are doing. Um, And I think that is ultimately the problem, whether you've got a a, a huge fan base like Leeds United have or Sunderland have, or a smaller fan base, like I mentioned, Burton Albion. they, They should still be filling away ends by char- charging cheaper prices, if that makes sense. Louis,
1: I, I totally agree with you. And that's a factor in all this as well. I'm glad that you said that. And I have huge amount of praise for all of these away supporters of all these teams that, that make make this uh, journey wherever they go. I think it's a huge part of the game, and they should be applauded for it. I, I think my point in all of this is that you just brought up a point that maybe there would be higher numbers if the pricing was different. I agree with that. But... I just want to look at it this way is that if say your club brings a, a huge amount and say Fulham don't bring, bring half of that, I don't think the fans that come there should, should be looked at any differently than the fans that brought double. Uh, they deserve the same amount of, uh, you know, thought and praise because I think it's, I think it's a lot to, to go on these away, um, uh, trips and uh and there are so many phone supporters that do it they just don't go it go in as some huge numbers as some other clubs and there are major factors for that yeah, and you just I brought up price
2: I, I think it's difficult because not only is i, I know price is obviously a massive issue and, and like you say i i don't ever when when you get away fans and whether there's 100 fans sat there, or there's 5,000 of them sat there. You know, they, I applaud them for turning up and supporting their club, whatever, whatever the result. But the other issue as well is, um, and as we all know, is TV rights. So obviously, another topic we could talk about is simply when, I mean, as I know, Sheffield Wednesday have been on Sky recently, uh, about three times over the last four weeks. And, the, the crowds, obviously, other than season ticket holders, people wouldn't go to those games as well as because they can simply watch it in the warmth at home on TV. So that's a right. factor. Um, oh,
1: and, sure. I'll,
2: and, and I'll hold my hands up and say the last game that we played against Wolves where we lost 1-0, I decided not to go to the game because I wanted to just simply watch it You know, Friday night, freezing cold, and I thought, right. you know what, I'm just going to stay in and, and watch that one at home. Um, so there's another issue. But if I'm honest, I hold my hands up again. I, I don't know the answer, to be honest with us. I really don't. I don't know whether this should introduce something where if you are an away fan and you are going to a game, particularly if it's over a two hour travel time, maybe your transportation should be included in in the cost of the ticket. No. I, I don't know. But that's the only Thing that I can really think of, but I really understand your point. They, they should be filling both home and away fans. They should be filling yeah. the ground up. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one, but I I don't know the
0: actual ultimate answer to it. I think quickly as well to touch on your point, Russ, about um, how sort of fans are viewed. I, I can't remember how many years ago exactly, but. I got given a ticket to Man City, which is only down the road from me. Played Fulham in the League Cup. Um, it's going back sort of a, probably about eight or nine years, and I think on the night, you know, Tuesday night, all the way up to Manchester. I think Fulham only took about two or three hundred people, but yeah, that two or three hundred people made more noise than I got a ticket then to the next round can't remember for the life of me who man city played but they filled their entire allocation in the away end And those 300 fulham fans made more noise <laughs> on that night than but that's my point whichever. james yeah that's, and I think- that's
1: my point it's not always the numbers it's the it's the devotion it's the dedication and i think i think uh there are people out there that look at the numbers and say okay this is about the support of the club and i and i disagree with that because you just mentioned a, a great example. It could be three hundred of them, but the three hundred can make a, a huge amount of noise and and uh, I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah, it's um
0: Preston sort of it's it's a bit different for us. We're quite sort of well supported away, but at home we're slap bang in the middle of, you know, you've got the two Manchester clubs, you've got Liverpool, you've got Everton. So if they're ever on T V sort of lunchtime or the late kickoff, it it really sort of affects our crowds with with people sort of staying at home to watch those and Preston sort of they only go to the Preston games because they live in Preston for example and I think one of the not a problem for Fulham because you've got a massive fan base but sort of especially people going to sort of away games uh, and that kind of thing is is the fact that you're sort of based in London and you know you've got your likes of Chelsea just down the road and, and your Tottenham's and, and your Arsenal's and I think the the people who do go to Fulham games deserve sort of more credit than you know the people who go to say Chelsea for example because and sort of I I get laughed at for supporting Preston North End by my mates who who support United and City and Liverpool and stuff and uh, you know it's it's sort of you, you do get a bit of stick almost for supporting a Championship team uh, or a team lower down in the league so I do think definitely that. People who obviously are not having a knock at Premier League fans because you know you support who you want. I think Championship fans deserve as much respect, whether you take three hundred or you take three thousand um, for choosing, you know, your local team or a team that's sort of close to you, and, and actually going to the games. And you know, as you said, um, Louis you play oh, or sort of nine times out of 10 you're paying premier league prices for championship football and you know while the standard's still good at this level it's not fair that you know people should pay that amount for for sort of the second tier really you should be paying in effect second tier prices um but you know we could go on for hours about that Yeah, can I just
2: touch on something you mentioned there, James? Um, Yes. It's quite interesting because you just said that you get laughed at by your friends who support Man U, Man City, Liverpool uh, because you're a Preston fan. And one thing I want to put out there, and I say to all my friends, because all my friends support Liverpool, and they say to me, I mean, I live local to Sheffield anyway, and I've always supported Sheffield Wednesday since I was four-year-old, since 1991, basically, when we won the League Cup. Um, But when I get talking to people, they're like, well, they they laugh at me about being a Sheffield Wednesday fan. and, And a lot of people obviously support the top, let's say, top six clubs in the Premier League now. But they don't understand those fans who support those clubs that you can still get the inner pride and jubilation supporting a team that's in a lower league. Because your expectations are different to those of Man United and Man City. So if, for example... Let's take Man United. They ultimately got knocked out of the League Cup against Bristol City. They finished second in the league. They say they get to the Champions League semi-final and get knocked out. Their expectations to win a trophy this season, and they come away with nothing. Then you're left just as disheartened, and as, as I am now, that Sheffield Wednesday are going to finish midway in the in the Championship, and it's only the same that applies. Those teams might be after a a cup, I'm after promotion. So what's the difference in success for me supporting Sheffield Wednesday if they were to get promoted and a fan who supports Man U or Man City winning a league title or a cup? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It's yeah, all definitely. about expectation. Yeah, so at the minute, you are probably enjoying Preston North End's run being ninth in the league as opposed to a... What can we say? A Newcastle well, United think... fan who's struggling to stay up in the Premier League. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that makes complete sense. And it's funny, like, all my family are Man United fans apart from me. And I think I'm enjoying football more at the moment than they are in their second in the Premier League. You know, they've been knocked out of exactly. the and and, That's and my point. That's yeah. that's a yeah, great example to make. Um, the laughing and it's not... I'm not going to make you re- or preview every single game that we've got over the festive period. I just wanted, <laughs> one by one, to read out who you've got over the festive period. And we'll revisit this uh, on the FA Cup weekend, when obviously we've all had four league games from now. Um, I'll start with you first for us. You've got Barnsley at home, Cardiff away, yep. Hull City away, Ipswich at home. Quickly, uh, one-word answer. I want a point prediction that you're going to come out from those four games, and we're going to see how close each of us are. Um, sort of come the other side of Christmas.
1: Oh boy, I'm going with nine.
0: Nine. Okay. I'm being bold
1: here. I'm going with nine. I'm being nine. bold.
0: <laughs> um, and you, Louis? So you've got Middlesbrough at home, Nottingham Forest away, <laughs> Brentford away, and Burton at home, Louis. Uh,
2: four right. points.
0: I'm going for four points. <laughs> four points. Fair, fair. And then Preston, oh, I've just realised how difficult our run is. So, we've got Nottingham Forest at home. I think, actually, looking at it, we all play, I think, three of the same teams. So, we've got Nottingham Forest at home, Barnsley away, Cardiff away, and Middlesbrough at home. I'm going to stick my neck on the line, and I'm going to say eight points. So I reckon two wins and two draws. We'll win the two home games, and we'll draw the two up. Yeah, we'll draw the two away games. Uh, so I'll go eight points. Um, but yeah, with that, we're out of time. I thought I'd end on sort of a little bit of fun there and we'll see how sort of far off we are or who gets it spot on. Um, i to be way of a, off. <laughs> I'll have to think of a prize if any of us do get it spot on. Um, I'll be happy if we get a minimum of four, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah, cheers for joining me today, guys. I know obviously it's close to Christmas and, and everyone's dead busy, so really appreciate you both coming on. Um, if you want to let everyone know where they can find you or anything you're involved in, that would be a good time.
1: Okay, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Russ underscore Goldman and at the uh, account for the uh, podcast Cottage Talk, simply Cottage Talk. And uh, you can also listen to the show on Apple Podcasts. Just put in Cottage Talk and you will get that and also on blogtalkradio.com slash Cottage Talk.
2: Yeah, so I'm Louis Shackshaft. You can find me on Twitter. It's just my name, uh, at Louis Shackshaft. Or you can visit my website. Again, my name, louisshackshaft.com. On there, you can find uh, my articles
0: and blogs all about Sheffield Wednesday Football Club. Yeah, and you can follow me on Twitter at underscore James Vickers, where I mainly tweet about Preston North End and Bundesliga Borussia Dortmund sort of all tied in together. Um, you can follow the show on our Twitter page, which is at Championship Pod. Definitely check that out. We've only set it up about a month ago. So, you know, we're still trying to sort of build it up. So definitely give it a follow. Um Yeah, as I said, cheers for joining me today, guys. It's quite busy over the festive period, so I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Have a great Christmas, and we'll see you soon. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years.